you never know what sort of hand the universe is going to deal you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Coruscant Nights. Tonight I am joined by James McDonald of the University of Coruscant podcast. How you doing tonight? I am excellent. I cannot tell you how excited I am to be here. I yeah. know you know how excited I am to be here because I've repeatedly told you <laughs> how excited I am to be here. But I want everyone else to know now that we are recording how excited I am to be here. And the answer is very, very. It's very I'm a big exciting. Fan. I'm a big fan of your show. I've been listening to it for what I would consider to be years now because you have <laughs> such a catalog that... You know, sometimes I get behind and then I have to catch up. But uh, I, yeah, I, I love everything. I love everything about it. I love the the characters. I have my favorite characters, of course, like Carp and, and everyone's favorite. And, you know, just the, the way that some of them come back in the stories and, and the play between the different voice actors. And it's just amazing. You've created an amazing little universe. And, and I can't thank you enough for that. And I'm... So happy that you've responded to all my badgering to let me be on your show. <laughs> I appreciate all of that. But let's talk about your show for a second, because I really like your show, which like. Well, this does is a wonderful things... love fest that we're yeah. in here. Isn't we're just going to the next three hours are both of us going back and forth about how Gushing. much we like each other's shows. The ambiance, the backgrounds, the like feeling of being in a place, I think is something I strive for with mine, and University of Coruscant does it so well. It is arguably the most important thing um, that I do. And as I say that, a dog <laughs> is barking in the background, ruining the audio for this. It's fine. There's a it, new buzz. Don't you now feel that you're in my house, right, mm -hmm. with that dog? I So I grew up in, in radio. Like, radio was my thing. I went to college for it, um, thinking I was going to be on television news, and then I... Oh my god. <laughs> I can't I can't even. I can't even. It's fine. We're going to have cats at some point. Okay. Well, so long as we're going to roll with this, then yeah, I'll it's... just finish the story. So, yeah. radio was my big thing. I ended up being a DJ, an overnight DJ at a classic rock station. My first job was writing radio jingles, for God's sakes, uh, and, and doing radio commercials. I did like a, I got credit in college as like an independent study to make a film noir radio drama, which still exists somewhere. That's great. And so, you know, I ended up completely going away from it in real life. And I'd always had this idea. I'd done podcasts in the past that, that had to do with shows, you know, but I'd always wanted to do something just evergreen for Star Wars, mm -hmm. something that will live forever. And and I came up with the idea with with my friend for the University of Coruscant, and it's all in universe. So so everything that I do has to make it feel like you are listening to this thing either in the cave with me or in the mm -hmm. classroom with me, or that you've the whole first season, you are basically a student that missed lecture, that yeah. you're downloading it and listening to a live recording of the lecture. So you have to feel like somebody was in there recording it like you would get for a college class if you missed it and 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 that is probably the most fun for me is creating these soundscapes and then having people tell me that they felt like they were in star wars because that's mm -hmm. the i mean that's the thing that we all wanted to be as a kid right like we wanted to hold a lightsaber we wanted to be in the death star we wanted to be on a star destroyer and yeah. you know that the university of coruscant for me is is definitely a piece of that yeah 
So I love that you love it. Yeah, that makes I, me feel I, great. I feel what you're going for there. I think it it really uh, accomplishes your goal. Well, thank you very much. That's mm-hmm. that's extremely meaningful for me because that was indeed the goal. <laughs> it's a very simple goal, things. but but it's it's good to get there. Yeah. All right. Well, who are you playing tonight? Speaking All of right. uh, getting into the universe and becoming a part of Star Wars. So. I had been thinking about this for a long time. So I worked recently as a as a death investigator for the last two and a half years before I became a, a full-time firefighter. And so at like three in the morning, I'd be listening to your podcast, literally investigating deaths. And so it's this very film noir experience for me. Mm-hmm. And so the character that I wanted to create was a bit of me in that world, but much sexier, right? like much, <laughs> much more interesting and more fun. So the character that I built is Stanton Shifthorn. Shift is his nickname, pulled from a, a situation in Sabak where there's a shift. So his name is Stanton Horn. He is a former agent for the Republic, um, basically the police. He's yeah. internal affairs. The RSF. For the RSF. And yeah. so he is a cop that investigates cops, right? So nobody really likes those guys. But everyone takes them extremely seriously and they have a very isolated job because nobody wants to be friends with the people that investigate their own, Mm -hmm. right? And so he was internal affairs until something happened and he he more or less got ousted from it. He was in a Sabacc game with a guy who was more or less on his level and the power went out and then a shift happened. Now shifts happened, but this was a very suspicious one and it cost him cost him everything on this guy. And that guy ended up getting promoted ahead of him and he kind of got run out of the bureau as, as a result of it. And so he now is on the lower levels. He's working as a private detective, which seems like something that a guy that was outed from a high-end investigative job with the RSF could easily become. You know, he's gone into business for himself in the lower levels. So he's... He's very fluent with what's going on down there. He's very good at what he does. He's got a bit of a gambling problem. <laughs> and he's got he's got a soft spot for people that want to get out of the crime life. But he himself is willing to definitely cut corners. He's a Karelian. He's got a duster. And he's got a gun that he calls Faith. And I love him. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's raining in the lower levels. Water comes down from the upper levels and filters in all the muck and dirt and grime until you get just this dripping sludge. It's just wet everywhere. We see the the droplets coming down from the upper levels outside the small window in Stanton's office. What does Stanton's office look like? Stanton's office is in a rundown section, but the whole everything in the lower levels is rundown at that point. At the at the level that he's at, it's it's low rent, uh, to say the least. It's cheap because that's what he can afford. It is sparse. There is not a lot in his office. It's got white walls, white what is it? Plastisteel walls mm-hmm. would be mm-hmm. the Star Wars uh, version for that, but they're not like white white. They're the, they used to be white. He has a window that looks out. Pays extra for that window. Yeah, he paid a little bit extra for the window because he couldn't stand the thought of just being in a cubicle because he probably had that up in the upper levels because he definitely wouldn't have been able to afford a window there. So this is a luxury item, but he's got blinds and the blinds are always like kind of 
kind of open just enough that he can see out but people couldn't really see in and so it causes whatever light to come in to come in in those those staggered sort of waves is he at his desk yes he's at his desk he's sort of looking at his computer but he's not really doing anything Mm -hmm. can you describe what he looks like what does he look like as he's uh sort of zoning in front of this computer he's about six feet tall he's a 200 and 10 pounds so he used to be thinner and in better shape than he was um he's not fat by any means he just is the kind of like he looks a little bit unhealthy uh Mm -hmm. i would say is is what he looks like hair is is always a little bit disheveled just never really figured out how to take care of that he's got a a shirt with buttons but it's just a little bit wrinkly you know it, it looks like a guy that if somebody came in the door who was important, he would like try to smooth out his shirt, but you'd know like there's just no fixing that. But he's he's not like a bum. He's just he's just not quite there. It's like a dressed up guy in the lower levels that kind of only owns one suit. The rest of his office is dark. I'm picturing like a single lamp on his desk. Agreed. Yes, the, definitely. Yeah, coat rack by the door with his uh, his duster and. A few rather empty bookshelves, maybe a half-empty bottle on one of them. Like the bookshelves came with the unit, yeah, and, he, yeah. and he felt like he had to put like a book or two on it. <laughs> and maybe he's always thought about getting more books, mm-hmm. just because it kind of looks a little bit ridiculous. And so whatever he has around, he just puts on the bookshelf. And before we go any further, we should uh, make our destiny pool. Oh goodness! So you just click on the white one, hit roll dice. And we're starting out with two dark side points. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> he he owns the suit and he wears the suit because he doesn't know any different, right? Mm-hmm. Like he really doesn't own many other clothes other than this suit. It's like a black suit with a white shirt. Just yeah. the kind of basic, basic, bland suit that somebody who is in internal affairs would own. There's a knock on the door. We talked about Jessica Jones a couple times. So I'm really, really just picturing this like Jessica Jones's office. Like the door has a tinted glass or a frosted glass on it. And he hears uh, a knock and sort of the sound of somebody leaning heavily against uh, the door or the frame of the door. He hears the knock? Yeah. Yep, Stanton. The knock comes again more urgently and you see a hand on the door. And as it leaves, the the print is still there, red. Stanton immediately pulls his gun and gets out of the way of the window. One knock and he's fine. There are people that come through this area that knock. It could be uh, like the building custodian or things like that. It's not that unusual for somebody to knock on his door. I mean, after all, he is in business. But two knocks like that, and he's immediately into defensive mode, right? Like he just yeah. snaps right into it. This is a guy that is expect, always expecting that something could go very badly, even though most of the time it doesn't. So he's immediately in defensive notes, mode. So he draws his he draws his gun and he gets out of the line of sight for the door, and, and he says, "Speak, help! You have to help us. Can you open up the door? He's hurt. Who's hurt?" My boyfriend. Is he here? Y- yeah. How many of you are there? You see the shadows of what are probably two people outside the 
frosted glass. Step three feet back from the door. You see them move back. Stanton approaches the door. He opens the door from the side that he is not facing. So he opens it to see what happens. And I assume nothing happens. No, you can hear these two people now. One of them is breathing heavily and leaning on the other. Okay, Stanton takes a quick peek outside the door, sees that it is two people. At this point, he's probably not worried anymore, right? Okay. Puts the gun back in and he comes out and says, what's going on here? So Stanton's office is at the end of a long hall and a few feet down the hall, there are those two people. The one standing straighter is a human woman, probably in her early 20s at most. And leaning against her is a human man about the same age. He's clutching his side and being held up by the woman. Does this guy need a hospital? He's hurt. He he was shot. I I'm I, I'm not a doctor. I don't I don't know. He he can Do walk. I look like a doctor? No, you Does this look like a hospital? No, but we need we need help and somebody told us to come to you. Who told you to come to me? Someone at the central processing station told us to come to you. Someone on the upper levels told you to bring this guy down to the lower levels to my office. And you didn't get a name. No. Lady, there's a hospital down the street. Take him to the hospital. They said he murdered someone. He didn't. Do you know who I am? I I don't. No, I, I, I don't. Get into my office. They move into your office. All right, I pull out a med pack. I've, I've got med packs with me. Mm-hmm. Med packs are something that I usually use on myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm familiar with how these work. And so I, I take this person in and I'm going to start bandaging them up only to maybe get this guy out of here because stuff like this usually leads to, to trouble that I don't need or don't care about. So I'm going to patch him up. You get him in and you lift his shirt to where the the wound is. You could see that there was a burn on the on the shirt. Like a blaster burn? Like a blaster burn. Okay. And it lo- really looks like it just grazed him. There is blood and burn on his hip. It looks like he would probably have a rough time walking, but with the uh, right care, stim pack or two, he is probably going to be fine in a day is or two. Is he a human? He is a human. And she is a human? Yeah. Okay. Stand in that corner over there while I take care of this. Okay. And I put the I put the stim pack on him and I bandage him up that I, I'm pretty sure that he's not going to die at this point. It's yeah. not pretty, but he's not going to die. She moves off to the corner and puts her hands on her stomach. You notice that she is pregnant. Okay. He's fine. You start talking. You got one minute and then you're out of here. He... Worked part-time at the central processing station and somebody was killed there last night and they came to his house today and he barely escaped. Who was killed? I think it was a couple clones. Let me get this right. Somebody came to the central processing unit, killed some clones, and then came to this guy's house and shot him? No, somebody went to the central processing station, killed some clones, and then whoever's in charge of, I don't know, their police or whatever, came into his house. Did the police shoot him? Yes. 
Did he kill those clones? No. And he says, nah, I didn't. I, it wasn't me. Oh, so you can talk now. I can okay. talk. Yeah. So start talking. Why do they think that you killed those clones? <sighs> I was on shift last night. Uh, I had the overnight, and I, I'm a, uh, I clean. I just take out the trash and that sort of thing. And it's usually just me there. Um, they've got the uh, clone barracks below the station, but um, I usually don't see anybody. And last night, I just did my work, clocked out, and went home. And then this today, they come knocking on my door. I was lucky I was out back and not in the house. Otherwise, I don't know what they would have done. Well, what they would have done is killed you, apparently. Apparently. How did you get away? Well, I ran. Did they shoot you while you were running? Yeah, I know these streets better than most. And you made it to here? Yeah. Okay. There's a sign on my door. Do you know what that sign says? It says no, private just... investigator. I'm going to just skip to the chase here. I don't work for free. I don't know who you are. I already bandaged you up for free, so consider yourself plus one in the hospital visit category. But if we're going to keep talking about this, I either have to care a lot about what's going on, which I honestly don't, or you're going to pay me to figure out why somebody is trying to kill you, let alone the police. They look at each other and he says, how, how much? Well, I got to be honest with you. I'm a little bit curious that somebody sent you here. So maybe you can entice me a little bit more with this story about this mysterious ability for you to find my office in the lower level instead of a hospital. Uh, the guy who sent me, his name is Rolf Hans. He said he used to work with the Republic Security Forces. Do I know Rolf Hans? You would be aware of Rolf Hans, yeah. Okay. Rolf Hans sent you here. Yeah. I'm guessing it wasn't a very long conversation that you had with Rolf Hans. It wasn't. I barely know him. And he sent you to me. He did. Yeah. Well then, Stanton sort of leans back against his desk with his legs crossed. Stanton is clearly curious about this because this ties him back to his old office, to a person that doesn't know him very well, but would know his sort of integrity mm -hmm. and knows him enough that he's not connected to any of the inner workings and that he was internal affairs. So something here is definitely going on. And Stanton is like, he's, he's really into this story at this point. Part of the fun about being an investigator is that like, sometimes you just get really into it and it's almost mm -hmm. not like working. So what he's going to do is he's going to use like his gambling skills and basically size up how much he thinks he can get out of these people. But at the same time, he's going to do this job. It's, okay. it's guaranteed that he is going to do this job. Do you want to do a real quick roll to see what you know about Rolfons? Yes. So this would be what? That's a great question. I don't think it's necessarily underworld. No. Um, perception? Could be perception. How much you were paying attention. Yeah, uh, it's probably perception, just like yeah. from my day-to-day -day life up there, yeah. right? Like how much I know about people that just work in the business that aren't like my partners. Yeah. I'll make it an average check, so it's two purples, but I'm going to add a black, a setback, because there are a lot of people working at the RSF. Yeah, it's a big place. Yeah. So two purples and a black? Yep. Okay. Roll these bad boys. 
we got three advantages. Uh, if we take that black into account, it ends up being two advantages. So Rolfons is not a particularly memorable guy. He's a Troig. So he's one of those two-headed, the pod racer announcer guys. Mm. And yeah, that's that's kind of all you're able to get off the top of your head unless you have ideas for those advantages. I would say it's one of those things where a person that doesn't know me very well is mm-hmm. going to lean me towards being more intrigued that there's something going on here because they know that I'm internal affairs and they know that I'm no longer connected to here. So if I don't know Mm -hmm. this person very well, then that means that's kind of all they know about me, which makes me think that somebody is getting set up here. Yeah. Maybe you can also, for your advantages, get the idea that uh, they themselves are sort of on the outside edges of the RSF. Um, they aren't like the inner circle. Oh, that Rolfons is maybe like not not beloved and not kind of part of the old boys gang. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's even better then. Yeah. Then I'm re- then I'm really really intrigued by what's going on here and why they're trying to shoot a, a custodian? A custodian. Up yeah. there. I'm a little curious about her though, cuz I don't know why she's involved here. Is she uh-huh. a family member? I gotta Possibly. ask her. Yeah. Okay. So Rolfons told you the custodian to come here, or told you the I don't know what you do yet to bring him here. What do you do, and how are you involved in this? Uh, he he told me. He's he's my boyfriend. I told her to meet me down on the lower levels. I thought if if they knew where I lived, they would know where she lives too. Why are you concerned that she's going to get shot too? I just thought they might come looking for me at her place. Okay. What does she do for work? I I work at Misty Mardigan's, you know, in the Blacklight District. Yeah. You got any ties to the RSF? No, none. So your only tie is to him? Yeah. Okay. We'll explore that further later. In the meantime, it's going to cost you 100 credits. They look at each other and she nods. I, yeah, okay. I can do that. Can I, like, I don't think I, I don't have 100 credits on me. Well, given the situation, we're going to take that in good faith. Because if they're looking for you up there, it's not going to take very long before they're looking for you down here. They're probably not going to start with my office unless... There's a reason for them to. Is there a reason for them to start looking down here at my office? I don't think so. I hadn't even heard of you until Rolfons told me. Okay, so I will take your case. Is that cool with you? Yeah, that's yeah, that's cool with me. Okay, you're not gonna die. You're um, you. I'm a little bit worried about. Are you pregnant? I'm just going to go ahead and ask that. I realize that may not be kosher on the upper levels, but down here we got no time to waste for something like this. She laughs. We've, still, we've, we've got two months. We're, I think we're going to be okay. Okay. Do you want to join us on this little adventure, or would you like to stay in my safe room here? I would prefer to stay in your safe room. Okay. And he says, wait, you want me to come with you? You're looking okay, and I don't know if I'm going to figure this out on my own unless you can give me a whole lot of information to go with. I mean, I thought you'd like, I thought you did this for a living. I thought you knew people. You thought I was going to just go upstairs and shoot all the bad guys or what? No, I just thought you were going to, I don't know, figure it out. 
So you want to stay with your girlfriend here in my safe room, too? I would prefer that with people out looking for me with blasters. Okay, I see. I mean, if is there somewhere else I can go? No, I think it's pretty much the safe room or the hospital. You would prefer the safe room? Yeah, I don't, I don't know anybody at the hospital. I'd prefer to not be around people. Okay, you can hang out with your girlfriend in my safe room. I'm going to lock you both in there. There's the finest that the lower levels can offer in water in the side of the wall there. There is no food in here. I will be back in four hours. All right? I will check on you. I will probably not bring you food. But you'll be alive. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds good. And uh, I'm flipping a dark side point so that you can have a light side point for your own use. Oh, excellent. Uh, To hopefully get you... 110% invested in this. She says to him, Should we... Do you think this could have anything to do with, you know, him? No. This has nothing to do with Pana. This is all... Hang on. Please tell me you're not talking about Pana the Hut. Yeah, I mean, I I told you I was part-time at Central Processing. I'm also part-time with Pana. I've been trying to not work for Pana anymore and that's why I have the job cleaning up at Central Processing. You're either much more clever or much stupider than I initially thought if you didn't lead with that. He doesn't how much even do know you my have on, How much money do you have on you right now? Right now I've got 25 credits. All right. Put it on the table. He puts it on your desk. I take it and put it in my pocket. That's the pawn of the hut fee right there. Now, sit in this room. Is there anything else that you would think would be important. Any other gangsters that you'd like to let me know about? No. And like I said, Pana wouldn't even know my name. He wouldn't even recognize my face. I just... You'd be surprised how good a guy that runs an entire level of Coruscant is at recognizing people's names and faces. I shut the door. (laughs) All right. So now I... (laughs) These guys, like... That's about all I need out of them to get going here. Everything else I'm going to do on my own, and I don't want to deal with them. I just want to make sure they don't get shot. And I'm going to come back and deal with them in a bit because they're not a ton of help to me. Other than something big is going on. Now I've got a gangster. Now I've got cops going. I got a lot happening here. And and I know that this kind of stuff does not stay under the table for very long. It wouldn't stay under the table with... Only one of those two parties. But with both of them, I've got contacts all over the place that are going to know this kind of stuff. So first thing I do is I get out my communicator and I dial in my contact with the RSF. Okay. Did you have someone in mind? Lenny. Lenny. Yep. Lenny is a given. All right. So yeah, you dial up Lenny. Hello. Lenny, how's it going? Oh, Stanton. It's, uh, it's all right. How are you? Lenny, remember that time that you got in that jam with the guy and you kind of wanted it kept on the down low and I did that thing for you? You remember that? You remember that time, Lenny? Always straight to business with you, huh, Stanton? Yeah, I remember that time. Yeah. What's the name of the what's the name of the custodian again? He actually didn't give you his name, but his name is Enzo. Probably should have asked that, right? Yeah. Let's assume you did. Okay. 
Let's assume I'm a better investigator than the way I'm doing this right now. Okay. Let's assume that I saw that he was wearing a custodian shirt that said Enzo on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I recognize actually him. He would have been in his his waiter outfit for Pana's Casino. Mm. Or partially in his waiter outfit. Uh-huh. Okay. I got a guy down here with a name tag that says Enzo on it who works for the RSF, who also works for Pawn of the Hut, who, I got a real bad feeling, is about to be the target of a whole lot of things that he didn't do. Does this ring any bells to you whatsoever? It's that Greenlee kid. There's a bounty out on him, but... Yeah, I, I think we're getting info. pretty close here. What else do you know? Uh, they got, let's see. They got 10K out on him. They've got a murder of two clones. Uh, seems like cams were out at the time. This was uh, during the thunderstorm last night. But yeah, they say he's the only one who was on duty and the only one who would have had access to that area of the, uh, the CPS. For them, it's pretty clear cut. Yeah, it must have been pretty clear cut because they came over to his house and tried to shoot him. I mean, with everything going on today, it doesn't surprise me that they would just want it done. Yeah, that also sounds like the RSF that I remember. However, usually when that happens, there's a pretty decent chance that they don't want a person asking a lot of questions. And guess what, Lenny? I'm a guy that asks a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah, you are. What's the name of the clone that's leading this investigation? It is, uh... I don't have a name. They just said it's CT32991. So, Lenny, C232, CT32991. CT32911, yeah. Or 991. Sorry. 991. How many, how many numbers do they start adding to these clones? I, yeah, they're in the, in the five digits Never now. Mind, Lenny. But, you know, I don't see them keeping these clones around for much longer, if you ask me. Yeah, well, the day that we don't need clones, you know, I'm sure that uh, we'll... We'll, we'll change from a republic or something. I don't know. Anyways, that, happened. Um, that happened about oh. 12 hours ago. Do I know that happened? I probably know <laughs> Maybe that Maybe not. Happened. I don't know. Maybe I don't know that happened. Yeah. And I just make a terrible offhanded joke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do we know about our CT friend here? Uh, he's a sergeant. Um, I don't know. I can't say I've met the guy. He's one of the black uniform ones. Hasn't seen action since the early days. Those guys don't usually make a lot of decisions for themselves, do they? No. No, it's usually through higher-ups with higher-ups with more higher-ups above them. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think we're talking about, like, senatorial action or anything like that. How about this? What's the story with these two clones that got shot? Yeah, yeah. Uh, CT41127, CT51793... Uh, they would have been on duty in the lower level, not the lower levels, but the lower level of the, the central processing. Um, so, the, you know, the, the top level closes down for the night. They don't do any more uh, inspections, customs, any of that. Um, but they would have been patrolling barracks below. They were found in the CPS in one of the data storage spaces both dead both blaster wounds were these guys that deal with data all the time or are they just grunts they're just grunts and they were found near the data terminals 
In, yeah. In the data bank? Yeah. Do you know what they were looking at? No clue. Well, I gotta say, Lenny, you're pretty up on this for a guy that didn't know a whole lot about it. I got a file. They, they keep the pertinent information available to us, but I, I'm sure there are some details I'm not getting here. So in summary, I got two grunt clones in yep. a data bank shot to death. Yep. I got a guy running the investigation that doesn't do any original thinking for himself. And I got a custodian that happened to be around that was nearly executed in his crappy backyard. And now, let me ask you this, Lenny. You ever heard the name Pawn of the Hut? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, yeah yes. I know. Uh, it's a rhetorical question. I'm just yeah. trying to lighten the mood. It's really dark down here. Enzo was a waiter for Pawn of the Hut. You got any reason to connect me to Pawn of the Hut in this story? No. Uh, let me look at the stuff again. It takes a minute. I don't see anything. You got any anything else to tell me on this? Do you happen to know where the kid is now? Lenny, I'd love to tell you that, but you know I'm not going to. Hey, can't blame you for trying. No, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I got anything else for you. You're a beautiful person for not being a human, but I won't hold that against you, and you can consider our little obligation cleared. Call me if you change your mind. Uh, let, me, let me know where this kid's hiding out. I'll call you if I change my mind about the obligation. How's that sound? Uh, yeah, all right. Thanks, Lenny. Bye. All right. So I learned a lot from Lenny there. Lenny had some good info. Lenny was probably a, a light side flip. Okay. I'll buy that. Okay. I'll, I'll buy that Lenny was a light side flip because here's what I learned from Lenny. As I'm wa- Stanton, Stanton, Stanton doesn't stay still very long. Yeah. So he's making his way to Pawn of the Hut. There's no way that Pawn lives on the same level that Stanton does. Oh, no. And does Pawn operate out of the casino? Usually. Okay. Oh, man, I always wanted to go to the casino. Okay. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> okay. So I'm very excited. So he, So the entire conversation, Stanton has been making his way to a taxi to get to the casino. Stanton doesn't own... A vehicle down here mm-hmm. on the lower levels. It's something because they're expensive. Yeah, and it's just an obligation that he is not well suited for. He <laughs> he's no good at it. He can do it when he has to because he had to drive his own, you know, police vehicle, unmarked car, unmarked mm-hmm. speeder up there. But he's he didn't love it, and it's not his thing. So he's making his way to a to a, a place where he can hail a taxi, and and in the course of the conversation, he's hailed the taxi, and he's on his way to to the casino mm-hmm. now. He's not going to get to the casino before he has to make another phone call. And that's the other half of this investigation. Okay. So he's got to call his contact that knows Pawn of the Hut and the okay. inner workings of that. It's the uh, guy you won that blaster off of. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, the guy that I got faith off of? That was a long time ago. Yeah. He's never really, really forgiven me for that. He really enjoyed that gun, but he, he's, he's been a good contact and we've treated each other pretty fairly. I understand the value of keeping a good asset mm-hmm. because that's how I have to work. So what was that guy's name? Mal. Mal? Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell me Mal's um, a Rodian. No, Mal's a, Mal's a Mandalorian. Oh, Mal's. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it works because for Because the, the gun is a Westar. Yeah. So Stanton Shifthorn's gun, named Faith, is a Westar 55, which looks 
like kind of an old west six shooter without you know the hammer on it it's long it is a gun that looks like a gun like you don't hide this under your sleeve or anything like that it is a gun (laughs) that will do work uh Mm -hmm. and he wears it openly on his hip but underneath his duster so that when he wants somebody to know that he's carrying his westar 55 they will know but he doesn't he's not like twirling it around all the time so mal the mandalorian he won he won faith uh off of him a very long time ago in a sabacc game and he's kept him as a contact and mal is gonna be my guy so i dial mal up yeah so you're in the back of this blue cab the driver has the the roof up but you can tell that it's typically a convertible on the seat next to you a mystery for another day it's a large blood stain i look at the blood stain and i look at the driver and he looks the at me. Bothan looks at you and says, don't worry about it. Buddy, I'm not even going to begin to worry about this. But why don't you just clean that up before the next person comes along? Yeah, we'll see. It's mm-hmm. been a long day. I don't worry about it <laughs> at all. Like, I am, I, I am very good at not worrying about things that are not my problem. And you call it Mal. 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 Mal, I got a thing going on here. Horn. What did I do to have you call me today? I'm not even going to begin to make it feel like you owe me. I know how much that I owe you. However, I'm not above continuing this little debt of mine. So I'm just going to go. And why don't you tell me what I know? And we'll just chalk it up for the next time. How's that sound? I can hear you're in a speeder right now. You headed my way? You know I am. What do you say we settle this over some cards? At the casino? Yep. I'm off my shift in 10. Stan cannot resist this. In at any way, shape, or form, he cannot resist the idea of playing cards, let alone playing cards as a part of his job. It is, it is just inherently in the back of his mind, he is, <laughs> the answer is yes. And so I say, I'll see you in 10. I don't say any other word to the cabbie. I just sit mm-hmm. there next to the bloodstone, and every now and then I look over at it, and then I look back at the cabbie, and he doesn't look at me, nope. and just kind of shake my head. And then you get to the casino. You got 30 minutes to clean up that blood. Otherwise, there's going to be some very angry clones that are going to find you. The Bothan says nothing, drives away. Thanks for listening to this episode of Coruscant Nights. Coruscant Nights is a production of Nightcast Creative. To find out more about us and our projects, visit nightcastcreative.com. Thanks to James for playing on these episodes. Be sure to check out his podcast, The University of Coruscant. The University of Coruscant offers bite-sized in-universe dives into Star Wars history, lore, technology, and more. I can't recommend it enough. Download The University of Coruscant wherever you get your podcasts. Have you joined our Discord yet? Come hang out with other fans of Coruscant Nights in the other place and talk about the shows, your favorite RPGs, and other games. We've got monthly live-streamed games, shows like Behind the Mask with Sarah Joy, which you can also find on our YouTube, and board game nights. Check the show notes for a link. 